Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So this week we are doing a solo episode, and this episode is going to be talking more about letting go of shame and guilt, which I feel like is something we've all experienced in our lives, and how we can break free from the grips of shame and guilt so we can feel more fulfilled and live our best unapologetic self. I just wanted to dive into like the world of shame and guilt and defining it in a way that I've always seen shame and guilt to be defined, especially from my own lens. And even some ways on how I've experienced shame and guilt. I have about six examples from my life and like what I've done and then sharing strategies to simply overcome shame and guilt. So I'm really excited to talk more about this episode and these topics just because I feel like they're very important and I feel like shame and guilt is something that we all have to overcome in order to be shamelessly unapologetic. And so the more you hold on to this, the harder it is to live your best bold life, unapologetically, of course. So that's why I definitely needed to do an episode on this topic, and I can't believe it took me this long to do so. As always, I like to start off every solo episode with some quick life updates from yours truly, Alana Pinsky. So let's get into that, and then we will dive more into shame and guilt as a whole. Not too much has happened with me the past couple of weeks. I will say I have been spending a lot more time with my friends on the weekends and it's been really nice to hang out with my friends in group settings. We've been going out to dinner, we have been going out to brunch, and recently this past weekend me and two other friends went to the Wooden Shoe Tulip Festival in Woodburn, Oregon and this was something that I've been wanting to do for such a long time but tulip season does not last very long and so we wanted to go before I was going to be leaving for my trip. We went at a really good time. I mean it was very muddy but 60% of the tulips were in blossom so there were plenty of flowers to admire. I brought back a really small bouquet of some like fuchsia tulips that look really nice right now and they're just standing upright and tall in the two vases because I separated them because not all of them are going to fit in one vase that I had. So they look really nice. They're not wilting which is really great because normally when I buy flowers they wilt after two days and so these are lasting a lot longer. So maybe I should buy tulips more often just seeing how their life is better in a vase, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so that's just been something that I've been doing more on weekends is just trying to spend more time with friends. My friend Ryan and I, we have been binge watching Charmed. He's obsessed with that show and I had never seen it and I love shows about witchcraft so obviously I got interested so he's gotten me hooked into watching Charmed. We're probably going to finish up more episodes later tonight before I leave for a week. So Yeah, that's been another thing that I've been doing. And then the second thing that I've been up to is I think I told you guys recently that I stepped away from my YouTube channel this month because I was feeling so burnt out and I was not aligning with my niche of living in Portland anymore. And I wanted to figure out what else can I do with my channel and how can I take a step back and not feel so burnt out aside from just niche misalignment 
it just came down to filming and then just having a bunch of health problems getting in the way of filming and just simply not feeling motivated and as jazzed up about YouTube as I once was. So that time off has been really helpful for me and it's just making me more excited to return back. I've been doing a lot of brainstorming on some really great ideas that I can do and I definitely can't wait to share more about that um, in my comeback video. So I don't want to give too much away on like how I'm going to be moving forward my YouTube channel. But I've been brainstorming and it's been really fun to just think of more creative ideas that I think are just going to come more natural to me. And while there'll still be a lot of work, it won't be as labor intensive on me to the point where it's just going to take a huge toll on my mental health. That's exactly what I don't want. So I'm glad that I've started to find a bit of a better solution for myself. And yeah, just a couple more weeks until I'm back on YouTube. And I could not be any more excited about that. And then the last thing is, I know I just mentioned that I am taking a trip. So tomorrow I will be on a plane back to Virginia. One of my friends that I met in high school, she went to a different school than me, is getting married this weekend. And so I'm really excited to be going to her wedding and... It's out in like the, it's kind of about an hour and a half away from my hometown and it's kind of near the mountains a little bit, like the Appalachian Mountains, sort of, kind of, but it's definitely like in the middle of nowhere. But I am excited. I'm getting to stay in a really nice hotel for the night of the wedding, so I look forward to that. And just being able to celebrate, I'm also looking forward to going horseback riding. I haven't ridden in almost five years so I'm way overdue to ride. I did go back to my barn back in the fall due to the fire and the tragedy behind that which I know I've made a whole podcast episode about but now I'm excited that you know they are moving forward they're rebuilding and they're still doing lessons and so I'm excited to go ahead and ride. Since the past couple times I've been home, I haven't been able to ride. And so this time I will be able to. So I am stoked. Absolutely stoked. I'm probably going to be very rusty, but it's okay. It's all part of fun and learning and just how to be a better rider in general. So yeah, I have not packed at all. So that is definitely something that I'm going to have to do after this episode is done. <laughs> I am such a procrastinator. It's not even funny, but part of me blames that on my ADHD. Those are just some of the main life updates that are going on with me right now. I really don't have anything exciting to tell you about the job search. It's still the same. So let's go ahead and move into our topic for the day. And that's all about shame and guilt and breaking free from it. So I think it's really important to understand what the difference is and like what they both are. Because I think that these two things are really powerful emotions, which really impact our mental and emotional well-being. And they can develop in different ways. For me, I've always think that shame is more associated with like a feeling of unworthiness or that it stems from like a sense of failure or that you're being humiliated and it's just overall a feeling that just makes you feel worthless basically it's triggered by like a lot of external factors I think when people judge us or they criticize us it's very self-inflicting and it makes us feel like we have failed ourselves or we have fallen short of maybe our own expectations or society's expectations. 
and it can lead to a lot of like negative self-image and it makes us feel really self-conscious about ourselves, which is absolutely not healthy. And then when I think of guilt, this is more of like a feeling of regret or remorse of something that we should have done or we wanted to do it, but we failed to do it. It's definitely associated with a lot of like morality And I think this really stems from our actions that we believe can cause harm or feel like we've violated our own value or the values of others by not acting upon it. That's how I've always seen guilt. But I do think both of these feelings have long-lasting effects on our lives, our relationships. And when we don't address it, it can absolutely cause us to implode in a very negative way. We definitely don't want things like shame and guilt to impact our self-esteem, our self-worth, and even our ability to make a lot of healthy decisions for ourselves. For an example, shame I think is like really instilled in a lot of us, especially from a young age. We're always told that like certain behaviors are unacceptable or they're just not valued by society and that it's or something's seriously frowned upon and we can sometimes internalize these messages and we develop that sense of shame and when we're not meeting those standards it can make us question our identity and our worthiness and I think guilt is definitely very similar in retrospect where this can definitely teach us the same things, especially through religion and moral teachings and principles that um, emphasize like a certain importance to a different rule or standard. And they definitely can go hand in hand with one another. Shame and guilt also is a result of trauma. We experience a lot of trauma in our lives, whether it's abuse, betrayal, maybe it was something emotional or It was maybe a violent experience, like maybe getting into a car accident or maybe you were in the war and maybe you survived and someone else did and maybe you have some guilt behind that. I don't know why I resulted to war, but that is something that I definitely kind of studied in my thesis. So I think that's why I'm thinking about it. But anyways, there's a lot of like emotional scars that are left behind when it comes to these two topics. And so early experiences can really shape our beliefs about ourselves and the world around us. And that teaches us to have a really like lasting impact on our ability to cope with these two things in healthy ways. So I wanted to share a couple times of like when I've experienced shame and guilt because I can really relate to a lot of the things that I said when it comes from like trauma or things that I was taught at a really young age because things were just not acceptable to society or maybe to my parents when really like it's them projecting. So one of the first things that I can really think of comes to sex and purity culture. And so when we think of purity culture, I think a lot of us think of Christianity or abstinence but I'm Jewish I'm not a Christian but growing up my mom would always say do not have sex until you're married no sex until you're married blah 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 and she would preach it over and over again and you know she would get really really in my face about it when I started dating my boyfriend at the time I mean I was in high school and teenagers are going to have sex they're going to get away with things and try to find ways to explore their sexuality and obviously my boyfriend and I certainly wanted to do that at the time I mean we were both 17 when we started dating so you can imagine 
what kind of hormones were going through our body at the time. When I lost my virginity at 18 years old, part of me definitely felt a little bit of guilt because it had been ingrained into my brain that I was not supposed to have sex until I was married. But at the same time, I knew that I did not want to wait until I was married because what if I never got married? That just takes an opportunity away from me. At the same time, when I was little, I always kept saying, you know, I want to wait till I'm married. I remember the first time I ever like got my eyes on porn and I was, you know, seeing people doing the deed. And I thought to myself, oh, I can't wait to do that until I'm married or that won't be me until I'm married which is like a really weird thing to think about when you're watching porn, especially when you accidentally get exposed to it at a really young age. That's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. What I'm trying to say is that even in Jewish homes, there is still a sense of purity culture and the shame that parents can put on kids saying like sex is a bad thing, especially towards women. We as women definitely get the short end of the stick where we need to be pure, where we need to be virgins, and men can go out and fuck anything that moves. He can have multiple partners, but a woman has to stay pure for one man and one man only, and we just don't understand how that's fair. We're told to be shameful of our bodies, to be shameful of our sexuality, to be shameful of puberty. Puberty is another thing that really ties into shame. And when it comes to like sex and reproduction, I remember I felt so much shame when I was one of the first kids, especially women in my class to get her period. I got my period when I was 11 years old and I remember how weird and uncomfortable I felt that I was the only one that had this going on. I didn't know anyone else that was getting it or at least nobody was talking about it. And quite frankly, I can't blame them because Puberty can be kind of traumatic, especially when you haven't gone the proper education on what to expect when your body gets older, and then all of a sudden you're just bleeding down there and you have no idea what's going on. There's a lot of shame that can stem around that, thinking that your body is weird, especially if it happens in the middle of your school day, and then everyone can see it, and then everyone makes you feel bad, and they make you feel gross because you're bleeding out of your private areas and it's noticeable. Thankfully, that never happened to me, but it absolutely has happened to so many women around the world. And classmates can be absolutely terrible. Kids are cruel. So I just went like on a whole tangent about like sex and puberty, but I think like those were two big things that really brought up a lot of like shame and guilt because once I did lose my virginity at 18, sorry, I wanted to go back to this really quick. While I was happy that I finally had sex, I definitely felt a little bit guilty about doing it at a young age because it was so ingrained into my brain and I didn't know what was going to happen if my mom did find out that I somehow had sex even though I was never ever going to tell her because we definitely snuck um, around our parents' wishes to not be alone and we still did it anyway so there were some feelings of guilt there too. I did get over it because you know at the end of the day I really wasn't sorry for having sex, but there was still a part of me that still felt guilt as a child. I think, you know, when I started to not feel sorry about it was maybe like once I got into college because that's when I started to take more of my power and had more of a sense of like independence and individuality. And I felt like when I was living with my parents, 
I didn't have a sense of individuality or independence of like how I can be whatever I want to be and I can do whatever I want to do because I'm an adult. That is one example of where I experienced both shame and guilt. Another experience that I can think about was when it came to my own religion. I'm Jewish, right? And my mom is far more religious than I am. She has definitely guilt tripped me and gaslit me and made me feel really shameful when there are some religious holidays that I don't really want to practice or believe in. So when it comes to Yom Kippur, which is a fasting holiday, it's also our day of an atonement where we repent for our sins throughout the year. And I can't fast because I will throw up if I do not eat anything first thing in the morning, like within an hour of waking up, or I get lightheaded and I'll pass out. Like I have to eat. In Judaism, you are absolutely allowed to not fast if if it's going to impact your health and well-being. And I've tried to explain this to my mom before, but she always like makes me feel guilty for not fasting and she will yell at me and basically shame me for having some sort of health issue. And I've had to explain to her, you know, what I'm doing is actually okay. God will forgive me because that's one beautiful thing about Judaism is that it's a very forgiving religion. So she doesn't want to wrap her brain around that. And she always made me feel very guilty about not fasting for Yom Kippur, but I had to. What was I supposed to do? I really just didn't want to be throwing up and passing out. I mean, would you much rather had seen me do that? I don't think so. And that's not the first religious holiday. There have been times where I haven't wanted to do Passover or I would break Passover early and she would shame me for basically being a bad Jew because it affected my well-being. Like Passover can be an emotionally taxing holiday for some Jewish people. It's definitely a good holiday for self-discipline and self-control, but after a while it impacts my physical health where my body might be needing something that I have to eat. I hate that there are a lot of Jewish holidays that are centered around food in like negative ways and part of that has also led me to develop a little bit of a negative relationship with food but I won't get in there. But basically like that's kind of like some of the religious trauma that I've experienced and again of course it's still related to my mom but I've definitely felt a lot of shame and guilt from my religion. I remember also one last thing to tie into this when I was in Hebrew school I had a teacher who was actually the rabbi's wife. She had this whole lesson about like STIs. I we had this whole like lesson about sex and she obviously was like very conservative with her morals about it. no sex until you're married. Like if you will have sex, you will get pregnant and die type thing. Like that was her mentality basically. And I remember she would literally shame us as teenagers to not have sex. She would basically teach us very inaccurate information about STIs and she would have like these pamphlets and trifle boards of STIs in the worst case scenario when these were actually a lot rarer than she thinks and it was a way to like basically scare us and there was a lot of fear mongering involved and it was very shameful. I think we even had to sign some sort of pledge to like wait until sex and I know that's really common in a lot of like Christian schools where they have to sign this pledge 
to basically not have sex until they're married. And it's it's just disgusting. And it's shaming people for wanting to explore their sexuality and make them feel like they're this bad person if they go against that. So that's just another example of bringing religion into this from even a Jewish lens. The third thing we're going to move on here is about me becoming more comfortable with who I am in terms of my clothes. And as I got older, I realized like I have a bit of an edge to myself and I wanted to wear things that were going to be, maybe be a little bit more revealing. Not too revealing, but a little bit more revealing. I think that happened more once I started moving to San Francisco. And guess who was the person that was shaming me? My good old mother. So when I would go home to Virginia for whatever reason I had to go back home to Virginia and I was wearing what I was wearing, guess who's getting yelled at for dressing too slutty? Me. Making me feel guilty about my own outfit choices and basically telling me that the way that I dress is what I'm going to attract and that is disgusting and it's victim blaming and it's just shaming what I want to wear in general saying like I'm asking for something and it's like well sorry I'm not dressing like a frumpy old lady like you because that's not me like if my mom wants to dress that way you know by all means she can do that but for you to try to dictate how I want to dress is not okay And now I've learned how to tell my mom to basically fuck off. But when I was around 25 years old, I still had a really hard time setting those boundaries in front of my mom and not feeling shameful about the choices that I wanted to wear. The fourth thing. This is honestly more guilt, if anything. Back in 2019, my mom, gosh, everything is just revolving around my mom. Um, anyway, sorry, this is the last thing that does involve my mom, but in 2019, my mom had a heart attack, and the second heart attack that she had, so she had two, and they were a couple weeks spread apart, she was in a lot of critical condition in the hospital, and I had to fly out from SF to go back to Richmond for a week, and obviously I needed to be there for her. I thought my mom was going to die. Like, I remember I packed a black dress in case there was going to be a funeral. And throughout this whole process, I felt really guilty for not feeling sad, which was weird. I didn't cry at all. I was feeling, I was thinking to myself, why can't I cry? Like, my mom's on the verge of dying. And that made me feel very guilty about just what my mom was going through. Like, I just didn't feel sad or upset. I mean, I was worried. I was anxious. But my sister had to basically assure that grief and processing your emotions affects people differently and that I shouldn't feel guilty for how I'm feeling because we're all feeling different things. And that made me feel a little bit better. But it took me a while to overcome that because it's my mom, right? And even though I didn't always have the best relationship with her, I should have felt sad, but I didn't. You know, she ended up being okay in the end and she's gotten a lot of good care for it. At that time, yeah, I felt very guilty about not feeling the way that I thought I was supposed to be feeling. The fifth thing, this is definitely more shame related, but this comes from getting fired from jobs. I remember when I got fired from my first recruiting job, boy, was there a huge sense of shame that blew over for me. It impacted my emotional well-being, my mental well-being, my financial well-being, 
And it made me feel like I was a bad recruiter. I couldn't do my job. I felt like I had lost a sense of purpose. My self-worth was really shattered. And I was wondering, like, am I ever going to get a recruiting job again? Because I have, like, a one-year stint of being in recruiting. Is anybody going to take me for who I am? I felt so much shame for getting let go from this job when really it had to end up doing with like a really toxic work environment where I couldn't keep up with the company's really bad standards and all the poor behaviors that were going on at that company. I think it took me about over a year to gain closure with being let go from that company. And I remember when I got let go from Cerebral, I didn't have a sense of shame. I was honestly more angry at that point. But when it was your first recruiting job, there was a lot of shame that stemmed around that another time where I was able to experience shame was when I got rejected from the marriage and family therapy program at my grad school a second time boy oh boy was I in for a long ride on the shame train because that shot my whole self-worth I felt like my dreams were crushed and I was in therapy all summer long I was distraught That made me feel like I was not good enough to be a therapist. I was not good enough for the teachers and the faculty there. And I remember when my classmates, who were my friends who were in that program, and I still had classes with them, would always talk about their clients, complaining about their clients. And I remember how jealous I would feel because I would kill to be complaining about the clients that they had. And I just felt very shameful that I just wasn't good enough for that program and it took a really long time to come to terms with that as well but that's just another example where I felt like my value was gone and that I just had no purpose in life anymore and I didn't know what I was going to do and I remember nobody felt it didn't seem like anybody felt bad for me like nobody reached out to like comfort me to check on me to see how I was doing when they knew And I don't know if maybe they had some feelings of guilt or maybe they just simply didn't care how I was feeling. I really don't know. I think there was only two friends that did care and did check in on me, but nobody else did. And I think that was also a good eye opener and like who my real friends were at the time in that program. And so that was something that I took into consideration. But boy, oh boy. That was a really long ride on the shame train. And then the last thing, when it came to shame and guilt, and this one's going to sound a little silly, um, but I remember when I was in middle school, there were a couple cartoons that I really liked watching, and I was basically bullied for liking these shows. So kids would make fun of me, make me feel guilty for liking these shows, and making me feel like I had to hate these shows now because it wasn't the cool thing to do. There was a lot of shame involved with that. And then I ended up growing to not watch them anymore and feeling like, oh, I hate these shows. These are so stupid. But deep down, I loved these shows. And I was conforming to some societal standard, which is awful. And 
you know, I didn't realize how cruel and mean kids could be over something this stupid. That impacted me liking shows and me not wanting to basically share with others what I was watching on television because I was worried about what people were going to say and make me feel bad for my choices in TV shows and movies. And now, obviously, I don't care. Now I've come to terms with how much I really love these shows and I'm so thankful for streaming services that have all the old episodes for me to go back and rewatch and feel nostalgic. So, you know, fuck what those kids think. But at the time, I didn't know how to think, fuck what they think, I'm going to do this anyway. So that was where shame and guilt really consumed me as a middle schooler. But yeah, those were six main events of where I felt the most shame and guilt out of my whole entire life. So I wanted to dive into some strategies on like what helped me overcome shame and guilt. And like this is going to honestly sound a little bit more generic, but it really did help me explore like what I needed to do to live shamelessly and to feel more unapologetic with who I am. So one of like the main things I had to do, and this comes from growing And it definitely took me about a year or even a couple months after these instances happened. But I had to recognize and I had to challenge the shame and guilt that I was facing. So one of the first things is going through the emotions. What I'm feeling actually isn't valid. I wanted to challenge its validity and really dig deep. And even when I was younger, I still had to dig deep and ask myself, like, why was I feeling this way? Was it because of external pressures or was it because of a past experience? I had to really dive deep and like be a little bit more realistic about the situation. Over time, I learned that these emotions just don't define who I am as a person. And while some lessons I learned quicker than others, I'm glad I at least learned. And that's what's really important. And then the second thing I had to do was to really be kind to myself. And I know that sounds super cheesy, but when I treat myself with kindness and I understand that if I see someone struggling with the exact same thing, I'm not going to put them down. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to sympathize or empathize with them and hear them out and acknowledge what they're going through and let people know that like you're not going to be perfect and that's okay and that you need to be forgiving of yourself and that you have to let go of these emotions. So letting go of the shame that I felt and being like, you know, I am who I am. I got to be kinder to myself because these were things that brought me joy into my life. And that's originally as to why I first liked a TV show or why I wanted to dress a little bit more revealing or edgier because this is what made me happy. And I had to re-recognize that. The third thing is finding people that I can trust. And I think over time, there were some people that I definitely was not sharing the right information from. Like, I definitely trusted the wrong people growing up. And some people just don't even tell others about their shame and guilt in general. Some people suffer in silence and secrecy. And that can be a really unhealthy way to cope with it. But For some, they feel like the only person they can trust with their vulnerabilities and their shame and guilt is themselves, which is why I think it's so important to share how you're feeling with people that you can trust or with your therapist and talk about your shame and guilt so you're able to gain more perspective and receive support. So for me, trusted friends and therapy is what I took 
to do this. I personally didn't feel like I could trust my family members because they were the driving force of why I had this shame and trauma in the first place from a couple of the situations that I mentioned. So it didn't make sense to talk about that with my family, but with my friends and therapists, that really helped release some of that emotional burden that I had been carrying for such a long time. And then when it came to like a lot of negative beliefs, this was something that really, really took a long time for me. But, and I think this was something that I actually learned in therapy is that I had to really identify any negative beliefs or any like negative self-talk that I had that really contributed to that shame and guilt. I remember one therapist that I had gave me this exercise to challenge my negative thoughts. And we did this exercise where I had to write things down, focus on what I could control and what I couldn't control. And learning how to practice more positive affirmations. And that's when I first learned how to get into positive affirmations. And that was honestly just a couple of years ago, if I'm being honest. But when I was able to replace negative thoughts with more compassionate thoughts, and when it came to practicing positivity in a healthy way, not a toxic way, because we don't want to sound like toxic positivity one-on-one here. That's not what we're about. But It allowed me to focus on my strengths and what I could achieve in life or what I have achieved in life. And that really helped a ton. And then the last thing was just apologizing for myself and taking responsibility for any guilt that maybe I wallowed in. And I used that as an opportunity to grow and reflect. Self-care was another one. I know that sounds really cheesy, but it was a good way to help me overcome shame and guilt. I was able to engage in different activities that would bring a lot of joy to my life. Or I would practice helping coping mechanisms such as therapy or exercise. And that would release a lot of endorphins to make me feel better about myself. And then the last thing was to shift my mindset. I've talked about mindset shifting a lot on my podcast and with a lot of guests. Like last week, I talked. we talked a little bit more about mindset shifting with Lala. And I want to talk about it again. When you reframe your mindset around shame and guilt... You are able to shift your focus from dwelling on past mistakes and you can learn from them and you can move forward. And you set positive things and goals for yourself so you can focus on progress as to dwelling on your failures or your perceived failures. So those are my strategies and how I overcome shame. But overcoming shame and guilt, it's a journey. It requires a lot of self-awareness, self-compassion, and a lot of willingness to let go. Sometimes it takes a lot longer to let go and that's okay. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We all experience this to some extent and it's just a normal part of being human. You just don't want shame and guilt to define you and hold you back from living a shamelessly unapologetic life. And when you can recognize and challenge shame and guilt and you basically talk to other people that you can trust and you make amends with yourself and you take responsibility then you can break free from the grips of shame and guilt and move forward with acceptance. I really hope you found all of these strategies to be helpful in your journey to overcoming shame and guilt. Obviously never too late to get started and practice this and live free from the shackles of shame and guilt. If you ever have an experience where maybe you overcame shame and guilt and you want to share it with me, feel free to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com as I'd love to be able to talk more about it with you. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. 
I know I enjoyed talking more about this. It was a little uncomfortable for me to like talk more about my experiences, but I'm glad I did because I realized like, you know, I didn't want to like accidentally trigger myself, but I've done so much work over the past couple years that it's gotten easier for me to talk about. And I hope that this will get easier for you too. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.